right, everyone. Hello and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're recording here right on the Wednesday. So we're dropping a Wednesday, recording on the Wednesday, which is a nice change of pace. Uh, but we are recording here with the Wild Card Weekend NFL playoffs coming around the corner on January 12th, 2022, today, the Wednesday. So uh, before we get started, we'll say hello to the fellas and then we'll uh, we'll kickstart a bit of a couple new segments here as we enter the fantasy offseason. But We'll, uh, we'll say hello to Armin there. He's got his little headset on. Armin, what's going on? Hey, you know, uh, just trying to stay away from Omicron here. It's uh, can't believe how contagious that one is. But, you know, it's going good. Get to watch football still and still coaching basketball. So we're not completely shut down yet, which is fortunate. So hopefully uh, we can stay as safe as possible and continue to have some fun this winter. Honestly, I'm so surprised you never got it because like I talked on the last pod how I found out on the Monday that I had it, but I was watching the Sunday night football game or sorry, it was a Tuesday Sunday, but you were watching the Monday night football game at Armin's house. I was just so hopeful that you didn't get it. And I was like, just felt so bad, but it's like, well, that's just the way it goes, I guess. But luckily we dodged the bullet there. So yeah. we got pretty lucky. <laughs> uh, we'll say hello to our other co-host, uh, Zach. Zach, what's going on? Let's keep me busy there in Saskatoon uh taking a few classes from the university right now so yesterday was the first official start date and uh i'm not usually one to feel this way but i already feel a little bit behind um taking two classes for the first time uh in a while last couple semesters it's been one class online at a time but uh two classes seems like a lot already um, I think both profs sat down and decided to uh, have their assignments due on the same day uh, for the entire semester. It's funny that uh, if it's not the same day, it's either the day or the day before or the day after for, I think, every assignment. So It's a dirty old double-edged sword, though, because you feel good when you're done and you got a bit of a break, but then you procrastinate and you're hooped. <laughs> yeah, it'll be... Uh, It'll be a bit of a drag there until, I guess, the end of April. But uh, getting them both done this semester wraps up that certificate uh, a lot sooner. So it'll be worth it. Right on. My uh, my classes start on the weekend. So I got my first session for my class on Friday, Saturday. So looking actually, I'm looking forward to this one. My last one was a drag, but this one sounds like it's actually going to be not too bad. So just like you back back at the school stuff myself. But you're I'm, uh, I'm excited not for taking the uh, you're clearly not taking the history of special education. No, I'm not. <laughs> I did. The last one I took was um, ethical research. And it That's was about as exciting by the sounds of it. Yeah, basically, I just told you everything you need to know right there. So that it, it was pretty bunk. But the this one I'm taking right now is to do with like different methodologies and strategies for like in the classroom. So I'm actually, if you're into that kind of thing, like I'm pretty pumped. But I mean, it probably sounds just as boring. <laughs> That's the last one I told you, but I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I, it'll be good. We were supposed to be in person, but obviously with everything going on here, we're back to the old online stuff too. So kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually really excited about this episode. Uh, we've been talking in the group chat. Uh, I used to do DFS and it was nice to get back into it and see the numbers and be able to piece together a team. So for those of you at home that uh, are, are unfamiliar with what we're talking about, uh, we're, we got a new segment here. You can still play some fantasy football. Um, so I'll be introducing that segment later on, but I, I'm actually really excited about this one and I, I'm ready to go. So we'll get things started with just a little bit of intros and stuff here. Um, for those of you that uh, haven't seen it yet on social media, the 306 charity bracket challenge is out there. 
Uh, three prizes are up for grabs. So if you pick your bracket and if you're one of the top three, you can be taking home some signed memorabilia. We got ourselves a signed Miles Gaskins Dolphins jersey, a signed Le'Veon Bell Pittsburgh jersey, as well as a signed Jared Cook New Orleans Saints jersey. So uh, winner gets first pick, so on second place, so on the third place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so get your chance. $25 unlimited entries if you'd like to enter more than once. Uh, but $25 for a chance at three signed jerseys is pretty good odds to me. So I know Zach, Zach's got his in there. I got mine in, still haven't got Armand's, but they're starting to come in now. We've got quite a few entries and, and get yourself an opportunity at some, uh, some signed goods. Um, I'm just waiting for some uh, last minute changes uh, so I can get the up, upper hand on you fools. Yeah, a little bit of news insight. <laughs> I, I, told, I told my fiance, I said, you should do one. She goes, no, not a chance. I'm like, just honestly flip a coin. Flip a coin for every matchup and heads is the home team, tails is the away team and, and see what happens. And I said, my, your luck, you'll probably end up winning the damn thing just by flipping <laughs> a coin. But no, I don't want to. So I thought too bad. I'll pay $25 for you to flip a coin. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So uh, if you, even if you um, don't have much interest in the playoffs, hey, $25 for Simon Rebelia, all the money's going to charity. So definitely supporting a good cause. Um, talking about supporting a good cause, following along with Zach's upsets of the week, uh, we're finally done now with Zach's upsets and he finished above 500, which is very, very impressive. Um, cause obviously he was picking the upsets, which is a hard enough feat in itself and then picking them around Tuesday. Uh, so about five days roughly before the, the games even start, there's a lot that can happen, but Zach finished uh, above 500 with his, uh, with his decision this last week to take the lines over the Packers. He finishes nine and eight on the season. So Zach, uh, tip of the cap to you there. That was, uh, I know it's definitely a tough, tough task for you to try and pick the upsets, but uh, I would definitely say above 500 is uh, very impressive for, for upsets for sure. You know, that record could have been better had you uh, trusted your gut on the Colts though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's just it. I did trust my gut and look what it got me. I thought there's no way they could go against me like four or five times in a row. But, this was, uh, this was your one so chance you could have done it. I think there was like 16 point spread or something like that. It was ridiculous. And yeah, that was not ideal <laughs> that was especially, definitely a, a head turner especially if you're a Colts fan woof that's that's got to be the worst <laughs> going versus the worst team in football to win to get yourself in the playoffs and then yeah no no dice and not only do you lose to the Jaguars but you lose in front of the fans dressed up as clowns, clowns. yeah so good <laughs> yeah. so good I saw a bunch of memes there's like the Colts are the first time first team ever to lose to the last place team while their fans were dressed as clowns <laughs> historical moment <laughs> unreal um one other thing we'll talk about before we get to insiders and headliners i don't know if you guys got a chance so i know zach did a um he was really pushing for us not to record on the monday night because he wanted to be able to tune into this and much the same uh i think a lot of you at home as well were tuned into this but the national championship game between georgia and alabama was monday night there georgia came on top 33 18 uh, it was a bit of a slow start, a couple of really good defenses going at it there in the first half, but a little bit of offense picked it up in the second half there. But uh, it was a pretty, pretty good football game. I don't know if you guys have any takeaways there. Uh, I know I have one question for Zach there about uh, Jamison Williams uh, and that ACL injury there uh, about some dynasty draft capital. So maybe I'll tee, tee Zach up for that one right off the hop. Yeah, it's a, it's a really unfortunate injury. Um it was one that as soon as it happened, it was a non-contact injury, I think midway into the second, I believe. Um, it was an injury that uh, just kind of blew up Twitter. Um, looking at my Twitter feed, 
uh, draft analysts, uh, NFL analysts, and fantasy heads were all all shocked, um, all like equally upset at uh, the talent, the talented player going down, and then for for dynasty uh, people, uh, a really hot ticket to buy um, this off season. Um, he was somebody that a lot of people think would have been or still may be the first receiver off the board in this draft. Um, think along the lines of a Jalen Waddell, uh, Devontae Smith range of draft capital, first half of the uh, first round. But that definitely puts it into question now, um, considering he just tore his ACL on Monday. Um, and I don't know if it's the surgeries happened or not yet, um, considering it's only only Wednesday. So it's an injury that definitely uh, should affect his stock in some way. But if you are uh, if you're feeling a little risky, it's an injury that could possibly pay dividends if you invest and you uh, you buy the proverbial dip. Yeah, I, we were talking a little bit about the dynasty rounds and how late is too late, or or I mean, should say how early is too early that you would want to draft them. But we started throwing around there are some pretty impressive wide receiver names that we'll be diving into this off season um, that I would imagine are all going to be declaring for the draft. So it, it is another wide receiver heavy draft with some big bodies and with some really fast bodies too. So it's going to be interesting to see where he is going to tier amongst these other talented receivers that obviously don't aren't entering the draft capital season with, with injuries. So definitely something that we'll be discussing more at length later on the season, but uh, obviously congratulations to Georgia who did beat Alabama uh, to take the monkey off the back as as the <laughs> announcers continuously kept putting it as slaying the dragon whatever the, the whatever the um, metaphor hyperbole or whatever it is that you want to utilize that this matchup was but uh, congratulations to Georgia and and obviously now all, all eyes will be set on on draft season and workouts and and all those types of things for a lot of those players so um, moving into insiders and headliners obviously we have the NFL playoffs starting this weekend uh, so we have the the brackets are set. Uh, the Titans got the number one seed, so they do have the bye. Then we have Kansas City, the number two seed, taking Pittsburgh, number seven. Uh, Buffalo, number three, winning the division, and they'll be playing New England as the sixth seed. And then they have also number four, Cincinnati, will be taking on number five, Las Vegas. And how Las Vegas got in was absolutely thrilling, first <laughs> of all. I, I'm, you guys watch that game? the OT just about tie like what a football game that was you know I didn't get a chance to watch it but I was glued to my phone looking at uh looking at the updates I just unfortunately wasn't in a spot where I could watch the game but holy moly if my recollection is correct I think they said that's 272 regular season football games throughout the year so that was obviously 272 of 272 if my numbers are correct and what a way to end the regular football season. Cause man, that was like, yeah. they're, they're saying too, that if that game ended in a tie, it would have costed like 10 million for the house for all the different bets that were put on for ties and stuff <laughs> like that. I saw, I saw better put a parlay of the Jaguars beating the Colts. And then that Monday night are ending in a tie. And it was a $25 investment would have paid out like $50,000. So like, <laughs> that's a, that's a tough goal right there. <laughs> I'll tell you that much, but yeah, it was a, it was a thriller, but obviously Vegas uh, won on the last second kick of, from Carlson. So they get in, they, they get to play Cincinnati in that uh, in the wild card matchup. NFC, we have the Packers with the number one seed 
Uh, so they get the bye. Number two, Tampa Bay will be taking on the number seven, Philadelphia. Uh, number three, Dallas will be taking on number six, San Francisco. And then finally, in another divisional matchup, we have the number four Rams will be taking on number five, Arizona Cardinals. So we've got a jam-packed weekend here with lots of football action. Um, and we'll be looking at this football action in a DFS perspective later on in the episode. But continuing on the news, um, this one was to be expected. A lot of these, um, a lot of these moves that had happened, um, I think a lot of people call it chopping day. Uh, the first day after the uh, final week of the regular season, you, it's interesting to see which coaches are, get the gas and which ones can stick around a little bit. But I'll rifle through all these just all at once, and then we can kind of maybe do an overall uh, reflection on them. So Broncos, they played the Saturday night, so this one came a little bit earlier. They fire head coach Vic Fangio and then offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. Uh, Vikings fire head coach Mike Zimmer, as well as general manager Rick Spielman. Uh, Bears fire head coach Matt Nagy, as well as GM Ryan Pace. Dolphins fire head coach Brian Flores. The Giants, this one came out a little bit later. Uh, David Gettleman said that he was going to keep Joe Judge around. Then he later then retired. And then as soon as he retires, they ended up firing head coach Joe Judge right after. So that one was a little bit of an interesting um, way of, uh, of unveiling itself. And then finally, the Lions fired offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn. So uh, I'm expecting there might be a few more coach moves coming in the near future here. Uh, but this is what we were, uh, the cards were dealt with here on Wednesday of recording. So uh, definitely going to be a lot of movement, but I'm, I'm curious to see which one you guys think is, is definitely the biggest move, I think. I think the, the firing of Brian Flores is very interesting. Yeah. Um, he's been in Miami now for three years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, he was brought in this season um, prior to the Dolphins drafting Tua, um, where they were the worst team, one of the worst teams in the league. And then he's brought them up to a above 500 win team, a very strong team um, that was in contention for a playoff spot for most of the year. And they should have made um, playoffs last year. Yeah, they, they, did, Sorry. they did go through this year. They did go through a, a seven game losing streak. Um, but that was also games where they were missing two. Uh, um, it's, just, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, he seemed like a very a, a good coach, a coach that definitely had that team on the up um, and then for them to get rid of them. I, I don't know what the reasoning was. A few uh, different articles that I've read said that it may have been because him and the owner or him and the GM uh, aren't seeing eye to eye, um, which may be the case, but uh, it seems like maybe not the right move, especially considering who are you going to bring in and, are they going to start from the ground floor? Because this team seemed like a team that was ready to compete, especially considering they had so much cap space for this offseason. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. That was that was my biggest takeaway too. And I, I've seen a lot of rumors too that the, the Deshaun Watson connection to Miami was because of Flores. So now the rumors are wherever Flores ends up is the team that's going to end up getting Deshaun Watson. I mean, we're speculating at this point too, right? It's still the offseason. Uh, we still need to figure out trade deadlines or the trades opening up and free agency, et cetera. But um, that's going to be an interesting rumor to follow along throughout the offseason here, because if that connection is true, that's going to be a huge market team that picks up not only floors, but are going to pick up 
a potential franchise quarterback, depending on obviously all the allegations and lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. But um, definitely something interesting to follow. But I'm interested to hear Armin's take about the Vikings here. I, I think you had to see the writing on the wall, but uh, where, where is your team going from here? Is it, uh, is it a rebuild? Because now from looking outside in the, in the NFC North, now Detroit Lions, Coach Campbell, is the second longest tenured coach in the NFC North, which is the second going into a second season. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. You know, uh, yeah, the writing was on the walls for most of the season. Like they kept talking about it in the last like half of the season. You'd watch a Vikings game and they'd be talking about Mike Zimmer probably gone, he's coaching for his job, stuff like that. Right? Wasn't a huge shock. I I I like Mike Zimmer. I'm. I hope he lands on his feet and he gets another coaching gig somewhere and, and can prove himself again. But, uh, you know, uh, let's get Eric Danemi in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, thinking, get... I'm thinking Zimmer's going to end up somewhere with a really strong defensive team. You know, he's such a strong defensive yeah. mind. Even if he doesn't get a head coaching position, I can see him taking on a DC role somewhere too, you know? Yeah, he's got it. Um, the GM kind of makes sense. So, like, you look at some of the big pieces that uh, the Vikings have, they have some pretty elite talent and he hasn't been able to surround them with a, uh, a supporting cast, you know, and, and that's really the challenge of a GM. Like every GM can get that top tier talent. Um, you need to be able to build a supporting roster around them. And you can tell by the Vikings record, their ability not to, their inability to finish out close games, right? That they just don't have those those little little pieces that they need to to move to the next level. Get they have the big home. pieces, but yeah, they need the little pieces. So the GM definitely makes sense. So hopefully they bring in someone who is a a guru at uh, finding the diamonds in the rough, and uh, and then some offensive genius for to unlock Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Well, I was going to say offensive genius, tough luck for Anthony Lynn. Like he got that head coaching job with Los Angeles because of his offensive mind and his creativity got gas from LA because he, his time management was terrible. Then he gets picked up by Detroit. Okay. Here's your opportunity to be an OC show how good of an offensive mind you are. And then he lost his um, game calling. Like, I think it was week 14 or something like that. And then, then he got fired now as an OC. So as an offensive minded guy, he's going to be a, t- a tough, tough hill to climb as well, too. So there you go. You, he can stay in your division. He can go right to Minnesota for you. Nah, nah. Eric Danemy. Danemy. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll Get see. Like I said, we, we have a lot, uh, a lot of things we can speculate coming in the offseason here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, going into um, a little bit of uh, wrap up of our weekly recap here. Um, we're going to just stick to the studs this week with our final week 18 uh performances so my week 18 performance stud of the week is a player that i don't know if he actually made it to our studs of the week list at all i think he got overlooked every single time i was looking back at our previous dockets and and i couldn't find him and i kept looking back i couldn't find couldn't find it it's a good chance he might have but uh if he didn't it's a damn shame because he was incredible this season and uh that's is cooper cup the wide receiver from los angeles rams so i'm picking him um not only did he have a really really good week uh he had 23.1 points uh it's actually one of his lesser weeks surprisingly but still obviously uh steadily nonetheless seven target uh, seven targets seven receptions 118 yards and a touchdown uh, he also had one rush for 18 yards to uh, add a little bit of extra on top 
Uh, so 23.1 is obviously nothing to scoff at, but he had a, a great week, not his best week, which is insane to think. But uh, he was also the triple crown winner for wide receivers this year. Uh, he had 145 receptions for 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns and also getting mixed in around there in the rushing game. But uh, obviously the triple crown only uh, pertains to the wide receiver stats. So he was really, really close to breaking uh, several records for the wide receiver position, uh, regardless, still getting the triple crown and adding the cherry on top of my Cooper cup take. Uh, I love the fact that it was Matthew Stafford sharing the ball. So Matthew Stafford <laughs> set the record with Calvin Johnson. And now the number two is with Cooper cup with the same quarterback. So my little cherry on top, but my stud of the week is Cooper cup from the Los Angeles Rams. Zach, let's hear yours. So before we go into mine, Jordan, I'm curious what, or I guess both you guys, what do you guys think about, uh, let's Cooper Cup, for example, he was 17 yards shy of breaking the single season receiving yards record, or I guess 17 yards shy of tying it with Calvin Johnson. What do you guys think about the, the records as they stand now with the extra game in play? Cooper Cup, actually speaking of the guy, he made a really good comment. Um, he, he, he went out public and said, like, you know, those records, they carry so much more validity and they carry so much more weight because we're doing with extra games. It's not the same. So those records that guys are breaking now, it, it doesn't carry the same weight as those guys that did it with 16, 15 games, whatever, whatever have you, right? Like, look at uh, the sack record that got tied this year uh, with TJ Watt. Same thing, he did it with an extra game. So... I mean, the, the records are going to get broken every year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years down the road we're talking about the NFL adding another week. You know, like, this, they, it's, it's money, right? Money talks. Mm -hmm. um, but I think these records are going to continuously get broken as more, more guys are playing more football. And that's been happening for years and years and years. Like, how many times have we added more weeks looking down, looking down the road? And the, and the records have changed. Um, so, I mean, like, obviously, kudos to them for putting the numbers up. But it, it, I, I agree with Cooper Cup in a sense that it just it's not the same. You know, putting up whatever, say it's putting up 2,000 yards in 16 games is not the same as putting up 2,000 yards in 15 games. That is a lot of yardage that you're adding in one extra game. Um, I mean, still, it's, it's still impressive nonetheless, but I, I definitely think he's got, uh, I think he's, he's on to something there too, for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it too. And, um, you know, it, it makes sense that they aren't as valid with, with the more games and like you said it's it's something that could happen where we we add more games later on like they're always adding more games like the cfl plays 18 games already so maybe they look at that and they say oh we could probably do 18 anyways too 18, 18 games two bye weeks 20 week 20 week yeah, season right so i think the the solution to that and some head honcho up there should should really be paying attention to this i think not to my own horn or anything sound uh overly confident but why not like start talking about records about like averages like average yards a game over an entire season and, yeah. and stuff like that right like and and i know it's it's easier to stay sustain a high average over those older ones where um maybe they played only 12 games but still there's a little bit more validity to that than uh than doing uh just your total yards for the season. Yeah, you could have you could played five more games than the previous previous record holder, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. With, I think the average it'd be 
I think it'd be a numerical headache. You'd have to go back and try and go over and figure everything out. And then you're changing records and you're changing the Hall of Fame. You're changing a lot of things. But I, I, I think that when you look, especially at like from, say, a perspective of a fantasy football analyst, if you're looking at what we used to think was a thousand yard rushing, that's a good season. Well, maybe now a thousand yards isn't as good, right? Because now you got an extra game to do it. So if we're looking at maybe averages where you're saying, oh, he averages, say, 100, yard, 100 yards per game. Well, then, then you're a very good football player. If you're averaging 100 yards a game, that's a really good season, right? So I, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely food for thought coming from you for sure. What do you think, Zach? You proposed it. So um, so I, I'm not sure when the 16-game the season came into existence, but as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of like the modern NFL in a lot of regards. Um, and I definitely think that uh, the 18th game will come sooner rather than later. So I think it's, there's going to come a point where. Um, I just Googled it, Zach, 1990, which it hadn't changed since 1966. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in our lifetimes, it's been 16 games. Yeah. Um, so I think sooner than later, it'll be 18. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes in the next several years, even. Um, so I think sooner or later, all the records are going to be broken anyways. And then we'll just consider the 18 game schedule par for the course, the norm. So I don't think we'll end up having to differentiate those numbers. Um, I think for the next year or two, as all these records get broken, that's when it's going to kind of be like, well, he did it in 15 games or he did it in 16 games or he did it in 17 games. But eventually all those records are going to get broken just with the extra game. So then it's not going to be a headache. Um, there, there's only going to be a year or two where it's, it's kind of um, worth making a note about. I will say, though, with TJ Watt getting that sack record, he didn't have Brett Favre falling in Michael Strahan's lap for the <laughs> record setting. <laughs> he, had to, he, had, yeah, he had to bring down Huntley. So Yeah, and he ha- had it. He thought he had it, and then they ended up ruling it down as a, a tackle for a loss, not a sack. So then he had to go back out and get it. I was laughing at his brother's tweet there. JJ Watt tweeted at him, "You get the sack record, and the next play you get kneed in the nuts. Life comes at you pretty fast." <laughs> so I, was, I was having a good giggle at that one, but yeah, still impressive nonetheless. Like even look at Waddle; he broke the the rookie receiving record. Like they're they're going to happen over the next couple of years, and there's going to be controversy for the next like you said, two, three years, then four or five years down the road, and you're looking at like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you broke the record, okay? Well, a guy that played 17 weeks just broke the 17-week record. So then right. it's, there's no longer be the controversy. You know, it's but, kind of a, a smart play by the NFL to wait a little bit, let some records break at the 17 season, and then go to 18 games and have even more records break because it, it hypes it up, right? It gives something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> gives us something to talk about, too. <laughs> Okay, Zach, you're, uh, let's hear your stud. I was curious so my, on this one. My stud of the week was Devin Singletary, running back for the Buffalo Bills. He compiled 24.2 fantasy points, uh, 88 yards rushing for one score, and two receptions for 24 yards in the score. Um, that, that game is, that's a good game, but by no means is it the best uh, running back game of the season but it may be one of the more meaningful games in my mind of the season. Um, We are getting into the playoffs and the Buffalo bills are going to need to win four games to win the super bowl. Um, And I think if Singletary is able to continue producing this type of 
uh, production. I think it goes a long way in helping the Bills. Uh, last year, they had a very potent air attack, but their, their rushing offense was something that seemed to hold them back at times. Uh, and if they can get this type of output from Singletary combined with Josh Allen's rushing production, I think that puts them in a very good spot going forward. Um, and hopefully they're able to uh, get themselves into a, a good spot in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, uh, making me look like a genius. Especially <laughs> especially with how cold it's supposed to be this game against New England. Like it's supposed to be super cold in Buffalo. So, I mean, it's going to be important to be able to get that run game going and for how long we've been saying it, Buffalo's number one running back is Josh Allen. So yeah. be, able to, be able to get the ball moving, I think it'll be really important for him, especially with Josh Allen still kind of nursing that leg injury a little bit. So yeah, uh, be interesting to follow. I think a lot of conversation is going to come around Singletary in the offseason about not only dynasty value, but also like redraft, where is he going to go? Because there was a lot of hype for him two years ago. I think he was going around like maybe the fifth, sixth round, kind of almost like a sleeper, um, but still a little bit of a hype regardless. And then he stunk and then basically fell off draft boards this year. And then picked, you could have picked him up off waivers midseason and, and plugged him in your lineup and probably been quite happy with it, especially when they started putting Zach Moss on the, on the healthy scratch. But definitely going to be something to monitor in the offseason too, a, a name that I'll be throwing around quite a bit. So, uh, Armin, your stud of the week. All right. So my stud this week um... – you know, he did it all this week, and that's kind of why I picked him. Um, Debo Samuel, he put up 27 points. He had four catches for 95 yards, eight carries for 45 yards, and a touchdown. And then he even threw the ball one time, 24 yards, and a touchdown. And it was a I good mean, ball. It was a real yeah. good ball, actually. <laughs> so, that, I, you know, I saw that, and I just – I had to put him in after I, I saw that, like – Oh, he, he, he threw a touchdown too. He scored on the ground and he threw one. Like, you know, like I wish he would have caught a TD cause that would have been one hell of a, a game. Then three TDs, three different ways, but all on offense, not using special teams at all. Like that's pretty impressive. Yeah. He had a, he had a real good week and he's one of those guys kind of same as like what I mentioned too, with mine, like just not, like week in week out of stud, but we didn't really talk about him that much. Like Debo Samuel, what a year he had. Like we're going to be yeah. talking about our fantasy awards coming up here in the next couple episodes. And he's going to be definitely somebody I think for, for sleeper of the year consideration. Cause remember how mad you ripped me when we did our, uh, <laughs> when we did our, um, our draft recap of uh, Scott fishbowl and you rinsed me for taking Debo in the ninth. And now I'm like, you no, know, I'll admit I'm, I, I was wrong. I I'm a Debo believer. Now I'm going to be drafting him everywhere next year. <laughs> Well, now next year he's going to get hurt again. That's why I kept saying as long as he stays healthy, we can see what he's capable of. Of course, yeah. I trade him in Dynasty, and I have to eat some curl on that too. But, yeah, it was good. Speaking of uh, studs, though, too, uh, I'm going to have to give a little tip of the cap here. Uh, stud Amonra St. Brown. Armin, how's it going, Amonra St. Brown? <laughs> <laughs> um, we had the little tiebreaker there for our Canadian player profile tiebreaker. Uh, Armin took his boy, A.J. Dillon. I took mine, uh, Amonra St. Brown. And uh, Amonra took the cake for me there. I don't think AJ ended up seeing too many snaps in the second half, but uh, I don't think he saw a single snap in the second half. I should not have picked a Packer. I (laughs) I was an idiot picking a Packer. Hey, Amonra still had a really good week. It's not like I chinched it out there with a six point win or something. He had he had a really good week still, regardless. So he uh, man oh man, like if he would have like obviously we're talking week thirteen on right, but 
he would, he's got to be considerations for one of the hottest rookies in the NFL at this point. Like you look at the numbers that Jamar Chase put up, but he did it throughout the entire season, right? Like he was starting day one, putting up big numbers. Uh, but you have a franchise quarterback also throwing the ball. We're talking Jared Goff humming at Tamandra St. Brown here. So like when you look at the the top top rookies of the season, you got to think he's got to be in the consideration, for, especially for top five rookie of the year. Like Jamar Chase is a no-brainer in there. Yeah. Um, Parsons, Parsons is in there. I, even like offense, defense, like Parsons might even be the number one rookie of the year. Like he might win defensive player of the year, not even defensive rookie of the year. Like he was that good. Uh, Chase has got to be in there. I think Harris, you can probably throw in their waddle for sure. It'd be in there. And then I think Amonra has got to be in, in that five spot, probably maybe, maybe for big Mac Jones. Yeah. Special yeah. sauce. Yeah. He actually had a, he had a good year too. He's, he's a really good game manager. Eh, Zach? You know what? <laughs> Manage it all the way to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. They couldn't get the division title for you. I was watching that one with high hopes for you guys, but uh, just couldn't get her done. Oh, they played as bad as it. A- Bad as bad of a game as I've watched them play since the last time they played Miami. Hey, at least it was uh, at least it was bad in Week 18 and not uh, not bad in <laughs> division weeks. <laughs> yeah, in the next one. So, uh, well, uh, so anyways, for Canadian play profile, that puts the tiebreaker to me to win 10, nine to five. Uh, so Armand and Zach are going to get to spin the wheel of shame here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so we'll get that queued up and ready to go and. We'll be pumped to see what their punishments are going to be, but I'm, uh, I'm pumped to take the, take the W on that one. Um, speaking of pumped to take the W, I'm also pumped to be supporting Limitless gear out of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. They've got a new limited time uh, hoodie in there. Very, very limited. Um, so if you want to be able to get yourself the limited edition Limitless gear hoodie, you got to get down there quick because they are going quick. Um, so if you want to find yourself down on Central Avenue, Prince Albert, or online, you can order on Limitless Gear as well. Uh, but obviously, Limitless Gear, Limitless Opportunities. Um, so that is a brand about bettering yourself and believing that possibilities are endless if you set your mind to it. Uh, we're obviously big supporters of Limitless Gear. Um, very comfy, awesome quality. Uh, so we support it and so should you. So Limitless Gear, Prince Albert, find yourself down there. Um, I'm seeing more and more people around the city wearing Limitless stuff. and It's, 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 it's awesome to see. I don't know. I don't know about Zach, maybe in Saskatoon, but in Prince Albert, it's like every second person's wearing limitless gear. You walk around and it's the toque, it's the hat, it's the hoodies. Like, especially now in the warm weather, we finally dodged the minus 40 bullets. And <laughs> we're sitting around minus 10. You might see people walking around in hoodies. Oh, it's now. so warm here. I'm sweat. <laughs> might be wearing shorts, shorts to work tomorrow. Yeah, drink <laughs> we'll out the margaritas. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's, I laughed at that meme. It's of, um, oh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, in you the long greasy hairs at the beach and he's just walking around like this it's like yeah everybody in saskatchewan when it's minus five (laughs) (laughs) ripping around tarps off in shorts um anyways we got two more two more segments here and then we'll wrap this bad boy up uh we got our playoff pickums uh so we got the matchups all for the wild card weekend here and we're just going to run through our our picks maybe giving a little insight to what our uh our bracket challenge might be, but uh, we're going to rip through them here so quickly. Um, Kansas City versus Pittsburgh. Uh, I will go first. I got Kansas City. Armin, who are you taking? Casey. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger said it best. They have no chance. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take that advice too. Zach, who do you got? Hey, this one's pretty chalk, Casey. Yeah, I think that's 
I think, uh, I think was it Michael Strahan that made the comment. I'm trying to remember which analyst made it, but it was like, yeah, Pittsburgh made the playoff, but this is big Ben's retirement party. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a uh, KC cross the board. Uh, we got Buffalo, the three versus new England, the six. Um, I'm going to go first. I'll keep going here. I'm taking Buffalo. Armin, who do you got? I am going with the underdog for this one. I am uh, taking Zach's Patriots. Uh, I I believe in them in the clutch a bit more than Buffalo. I I love the Buffalo explosive offense, but I just don't think they they're gonna finish it this year. They're not there yet. Especially with the uh, cold weather too, that might play into the New England. Like look what happened last time in that really cold um, storm game. I think what did Mac Jones throw the ball three times, Zach, or four times? Three times. Yeah, and like I think he threw zero in the first half. Is that correct? Uh, I think once, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So regardless, if it's that cold frost wind bowl again, that plays into New England. We've already seen it happen once, but um, I was surprised by this one, Zach. Who do you got? So this one like broke my heart today at work. Um, I had to take a lap after I made the pick. Um, <laughs> really wish the Pats weren't playing the Bills. Um, I picked Buffalo started the season to go to the Super Bowl picked them last week to win the Super Bowl. So got to take Buffalo over the boys in New England. Uh, you know, it's all about draft position. Maybe Jamison Williams falls a little bit in the draft and the Pats snap him up around the 20th pick. <laughs> yeah. Reuniting uh, Mac, Daddy Jones, and uh, Williams there. You still think he's going to be a first-round pick, even though with the injuries, Zach? I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, it won't, I don't think it'll be as early as, um, top as 10, it would be otherwise. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I think when value like that falls to the latter half of the draft, those are the teams that, uh, can take that type of gamble and have the luxury of having a player sit on the pup or sit on the IR and then bring them along slowly. That's a really um, good point. Yeah. They're drafting the- him for a few years, not just for next year. Yeah, a team at the beginning of the draft, they need that talent sooner rather than later. Um, so a team at the back half can can kind of take that calculated risk. I also wouldn't be surprised if a team that has multiple firsts takes them because you, you can still get your guys that you need, whether it's an offensive lineman, a defensive player. Um, and then if you have like a second or a third uh, first round pick, you buy that scratch and win, and then you may have yourself a top five receiver in a year or two. I've seen a lot of mocks, the lines taking a wide receiver late in the first because they have the, they have their own first. They have the 102 position, but then they have the Rams first as well. So I've seen a lot of mocks of like uh, of London in there and, and Burks, if obviously it lasts that long. I would have seen a lot of mocks of them taking a wide receiver regardless. So a team that's definitely not win now built for the future, that could be an interesting pick for them too, regardless if he survives to the, I'm, I'm pegging it as the uh, 32nd pick in the first round, but a little sneak pick, but yeah, it'd be interesting to follow that for sure. Yeah. A pick like that would make all the sense in the world for, for Detroit. Pick up a, pick up a veteran one year, cheap deal plug and play guy place him in there just to fill a roster position and then roll with your rookie when he's back off the pop kind of thing yeah and like they would be even if they just kind of roll with what they have uh cephas uh who has come off ir as well yeah cephas raymond uh st brown Brown and reynolds yeah 
it's not great, but you're not competing anyways, really, yeah. next year. You're still so. playing for your future. You still got a handful of first round picks coming in the next couple of years. So yeah. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, then the next matchup, we got Cincy in the four versus Vegas in the five. Uh, I took Cincinnati. I flip-flopped on this one a little bit. Um, I, I, I love Cincinnati, but I think Vegas coming off a big W. And this is the first time we're going to see Derek Carr play in the playoffs too. So I think that's something interesting. But I still yeah. ended up going with my gut. I went with Cincinnati, but um, maybe ch- as chalk as our, or as uh, Zach would say. But uh, I, did go <laughs> C- I did go Cincy. I'm going with the young kids. Uh, Armin, who'd you go? I'm going Cincy too. I think they're hitting their peak right at the right time of the season. I think the only team that uh, that I can see taking them down is uh, KC or or one of those top tier teams. But uh, they're not going down to a team that's in their uh, in their rankings in their wheelhouse. And uh, Zach, yeah, just like that first uh, set of games, this is pretty chalk in my mind. Uh, Cincy's the clear favorite in my mind. Um, I don't think Vegas really stands a shot, um, but if they do stand a chance to win, they got to keep it uh, more of a low-scoring game. I just don't think the Raiders have it within them to score, you know, more than 30 points to keep up with a high-scoring Cincinnati offense. Like, I look at what they did against the Chargers, obviously, in the final game of the regular season there. They had to get it done, and then they had to kill, try and kill the clock on the ground, which they can get done with Josh Jacobs. But, um, like, you like if you watch the highlights, you watch the game, whatever. You saw what the Chargers were capable of doing when they were down multiple scores in the fourth. They still move the ball, right? And and when you look at the explosive weapons that Cincinnati has, that's obviously why I went Cincy. But Vegas is a hard team to read because they have really, really good games. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, like, you guys are terrible. And then you look at after, at the end of the end of the year when they're playing for a playoff spot, it's like, how the hell did you guys end up here? But that's, um, I mean, that's the NFL, right? Anything's possible. But yeah, uh, I think so. That's all Cincy for us. That'll do it for the AFC. Uh, moving into the NFC, we have the number two Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the number seven Philadelphia. Um, I went with, uh, I'd said it on the pod earlier. I, I don't want to be the guy betting against Tom Brady. So I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Tom Brady and the Bucks in this one. Uh, even though they may be down a couple weapons, I think, uh, I think they're still gonna be able to move the ball and rely on their defense to be able to shut down Philadelphia. So I, I'm going to take the Bucks. Armin. Yeah, you said exactly what I was thinking. You can't bet against Tom Brady against it, especially against a lower seed like Philly. Like they're they don't really stand much of a chance, but you never know, miracles could happen. But I'm taking the safe road and taking the Bucks. Zach. I'm taking Tampa Bay as well. Um I will say though, uh Philadelphia in my mind feels like a playoff team. Yeah. I've I've watched a couple of their games and I'm not shocked that they're in the playoffs, but looking at the AFC, the the other seventh seed, the Steelers, it's like <laughs> I would have been just as comfortable being like, yeah, they're a top five uh, pick in the first round, um, you know, watching them play a few games. So uh, at least Philly feels like a playoff team, but I don't think they stand a shot against Tampa. It would have been a lot more fun if, if it was Los Angeles that made it instead of Pittsburgh, you know, like if that tie would have happened and they actually would have made it in, that would have been a thrilling, like, cause that's a team that could actually make a run the playoffs. Their defense is terrible, but Yeah. It, like I have a buddy that um, when I was when I was down with the COVID, I ended up playing a lot of Fortnite and playing with a buddy of mine. He's a big Philadelphia fan, and he did make a good point. They're getting hot at the right time, and uh, if you can get the run game going, 
and hopefully your defense can hold out. Like obviously Tampa Bay is a little bit banged up. So if I wanted to play Tampa Bay, I'd rather be playing them now than, than down the stretch when maybe they get a receiver or two back. Um, but he also made the same point. It's Tom Brady, right? And you don't want to be on the other side of that. So I think if there is a time to be playing and there's a time for an upset, it's going to be early, but, uh, it's definitely, definitely an interesting one to follow because Philadelphia is a lot of people are writing them off, but they are getting hot at the right time and they're actually playing some pretty good football. So I think this is actually going to be an interesting one. You look at last year, look at Washington did against the Bucks. They just about upset them in the, in the wild card game too. So. Tom Brady was in the opposite in that one. He was the wild card team taking on the divisional tight uh, division winner. But I mean, uh, <laughs> hey, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But I'm still going with Tom Brady in the box. <laughs> um, the next one. This is. I think this is gonna be a fun football game too. Uh, we got Dallas, the number three seed, taking on San Francisco in the sixth seed. Um, I think same thing. I mentioned a team getting hot at the right time. And uh, they had to win to get in. So technically, they've kind of already played a playoff game. If they lost, they were out. Um, and they ended up beating the Rams, who I have chosen to win the Super Bowl. Uh, not a slouch football team by any means. They beat them in overtime to get in. Um, I think Dallas, they've had been able to coast the last little couple games here. Their offense is clicking, and, and Armin is a big, uh, a big advocate for their defense. But uh, I am actually taking San Francisco to upset here. Uh, this game, I think, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I, it's, it's, if you would have told me that Garoppolo was going to take them to the playoffs and is going to win them a playoff game, I, I would have been scratching my head. But I'm still here taking them with the upset. So I will go San Francisco on this one. Armand? You know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you with the upset, though, uh, even though you said I'm an advocate of their defense in Dallas. I think uh, San Fran is the style of team that, uh, that Dallas struggles with. Um, they're, they've shown that they have a really good secondary, but they're not great against the run and the, the yak yard stuff. Um, and that's kind of where San Fran um, is built. And like you said, I, they played a playoff game already. Dallas has kind of coasted to this point. They're not really battle tested. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, San Fran is just a more resilient team. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to see what happens but it's going to come down to the wire and I'd rather have San Fran in the wire than Dallas. Cause I just feel like they're, they just got that little bit more grit. And uh, Zach, who do you got? So I still think it, I don't know if it's a hundred percent confirmed or not. Um, who is starting at quarterback for the 49ers. Um, and for that reason, um, I am taking the, the Cowboys to, uh, to beat the Niners. Um, I really wonder if, uh, even if Garoppolo does start, if they end up going to Mac or sorry, going to Trey Lance, um, in a pinch, if, uh, Garoppolo is struggling. And I think anytime you have multiple quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback in that sense. So, um, I just like the, the Dallas offense a little bit more than the, the 49ers San Francisco has been struggling in the red zone. So I can see them going to a Trey Lance package like they did at the start of the year where you get a mobile quarterback in the red zone and try and get it going on the legs. They, they seemingly have some most of their running backs healthy too. So that might make a difference. But I, I regardless, I think this is going to be a football, a fun football game to watch for sure. But I'll definitely. Both, I think both of these NFC games should be really fun. This one and the next one we're about to talk about. Yeah. And this is a nice yeah. thing. This last one we're talking about is on the Monday night. So that's going to be a lot of fun because then you can just, just put your entire attention to this one. 
Um, I'm a big advocate for the one team. Uh, we got the Rams versus Arizona, which I'm actually kind of upset that they see each other right off the hop because I do like Arizona as well. Um, I Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is kind of uh, – I don't think he's a very good coach. Uh, I've seen it in several times. They come out to the hot start, and then it gets to the pressure and, and the good teams you got to see, in, and he's incapable of, of winning. Um, that being said, uh, they – are a very good football team still, but I am, I'm, I'm pumping the Rams here. I'm, I'm going with my boy, Matt Stafford. I, I want to see him get the ring, even though that gives Detroit uh, a later first round pick. Uh, but it is what it is because I would love to see the Rams finally get the monkey off their back. They've been the Super Bowl uh, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. Uh, I think they're going to go back again. I think they're going to take it this time. So I'm going to take the Rams and my boy, Matt Stafford, even though he threw a bad pick again in overtime, but Hey, it happens. Um, Armand, who are you taking? Yeah, you know, I'm going with the Rams, too. I have them going to the final. I don't have them winning, but I, I got to stick with that. They, they're a team that I'm confident can beat any any of the teams that are in the playoffs. Um, any given Sunday, they can go out and win. They're, they're built as a full-around, all-around team. Good offense, good defense. Zona, Arizona has a, a good offense and a, an above average defense, but it's it, neither are to the level of I think the Rams have both offensively and defensively. So it'll be a good game, but uh, just look for the Rams to slowly build a lead as the game goes on. Especially now if they get their playoff boy back, Cam Akers. I can't imagine he's going to carry the load <laughs> like he did in playoffs last year, but he, uh, he was so dynamic last year. It's going to be fun to see him uh, see him carry a load again um zach who do you got i'm taking arizona um this is quite possibly my favorite matchup of the week um four or five games are always pretty uh competitive or anytime you have two seeds that are close together those games are typically pretty competitive um much especially like now buffalo, that this was divisional yeah much like the buffalo new england game uh divisional opponents uh this will be the third time they've played each other um It'll be a good game, and uh, I think what stands out to me is the mobility of Kyler Murray. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and plays a really big game, um, considering the last time they played each other, he was coming back from an injury, and he did not have a very good game. Yeah, I uh, man, this this is this seems like a trap game for the Rams. I think, unfortunately, I. As soon as I saw the matchup, I'm like, oh boy, because the Rams could have ended up being the two spot if they would have won that game. And then they would have been playing Philadelphia, which I would have been a little bit more comfortable against, uh, obviously against Arizona. But um, when you look at the NFC and the AFC matchups, like the NFC is wide open. Like I think really any of these seven teams could truly win the NFC. Like there's no team that I'm saying like is 100% out. Like I think if you look at it, okay, Philly probably is the more outside team looking in in that seven spot, but really, there's no, but there's no team where it's like, you're the true one you're winning this division. I, I think personally, and, but then you look at the AFC, it's a, uh, it's a little bit more of a, uh, a one horse, maybe two horse race, but let's say they, that's why they play the games. Anything's possible. And that's why, uh, that's why you make your brackets and we'll see what happens here. But um, we're going to be going through our DFS lineups. Usually we'd go through them player by our position by position at what each of us are taking. Uh, but we're just running a little bit into uh, Armin's practice time here as we're getting close. So Armin's just going to list off his full team and then Zach and I'll go back and forth. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with what DFS is, DFS stands for daily fantasy sports. And you can do this with 
any sport really we're we're predominantly obviously doing this with football but you can do dfs with any sports um you can do them on FanDuel, DraftKings. there's other platforms but those are two more popular platforms um i'm just a fan of um, i prefer FanDuels. that's one of my preferences uh but obviously you can look at DraftKings, and it's very very similar prep um proposition as well uh but for this one is you most people what they do is called the millie maker for 15 dollars, you get an entry and you get a chance at winning mega mega bucks uh, it's a long shot. You can do smaller odds. You can do bigger odds. You can go in different types of, they call them tournaments. Uh, but we set ourselves up for three on three, um, or I guess a one V three between the monks of us and our podcast. We set up our own one where we're going to be playing each other. And uh, whoever gets last place is going to have some sort of punishment. We're still trying to figure out exactly what that is. Um, maybe it is the, the, the wheel of wheel of shame there that we've uh, started getting going in the off season, but uh, we'll, we'll come down to that later. But uh, for those of you at home that maybe are getting the itch a little bit and you want to watch football and you want to try, maybe you're missing fantasy. Well, here's a perfect opportunity to go into a different aspect of fantasy football. So DFS, find it on FanDuel or DraftKings. Uh, Armin's going to list off his team and then me and Zach will, will, will go into it. So you got to start a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, flex, and then a defense uh, special team. So Armin, let's hear your team. All right, so just off the hop, I'm going to say I, I love DFS because you can always get the guy that you want to cheer for, right? Um, whereas in uh, regular fantasy season, you might not be able to draft that guy um, just because of the way the chips fall. DFS, you can always have him if you want him. Um, so my uh, roster, I, I'm taking some big swings if you guys have already looked at it here. Um, unfortunately, I don't know all the uh the deets as far as injuries go because there's one guy on here that uh i am a little concerned about but i'll start with my qb i went with maddie stafford at seventy six hundred dollars um i picked him because he's in a high octane offense and out of the high octane qbs that were there he he was the cheapest so um a little bit of a um a budget pick there but along with a, a guy that I, I truly do believe could put up big numbers this week um, then I continued with the Rams and for my first RB I picked Cam Akers this one is a little spicy it's a risky play but he is cheap at $5,400 and when you listen to the other RBs out there that is a steal of a deal especially if he ends up going off um, this one is a um, big risk, big reward pick for me. Um, I get a little bit safer as we get down to the bottom here. Um, and I, you know, you got to find those diamonds in the rough on DFS, some guys that are a little bit cheaper so that you can pay big money for some of the other names, right? So Cam Akers. My RB2 is Daryl Williams. Now, last time I looked at the injury report, um, it seemed like CEH was very questionable to play and Daryl Williams was very much um, more of a he's going to be going this week and then I also kind of looked at uh, Daryl Williams has actually in my mind had a better season than CEH oh, and sure. you're in you're in the playoffs you need to win um, it's it's go time now so I think I think the Chiefs even if CEH is in there um, Daryl Williams is still going to get touches and he's he might he probably will in my, or I'm hoping he will outtouch CEH, even if CEH is in. Um, and he's uh, $6,600. So I, I went cheap on my RBs. Um, 
And then my wide receivers, my first wide receiver here, I found a deal. I wanted a Cincinnati wide receiver. I decided to go with T Higgins at 6,900 bucks, a little bit cheaper than Jamar Chase, um, but just as able to put up a big fantasy output and has probably gotten He's not too far behind Jamar Chase on the season for total fantasy points anyways. So um, I, I I figured it'd be a smart play there. Um, my next wide receiver, this is where I'm starting to spend some money. I went with Debo Samuel. Um, they're playing against Dallas, um, and it's the playoffs. They're going to be trying to get Samuel as many touches as humanly possible. I'm I'm expecting... Samuel to go off a little bit in the playoffs here because like I said with Daryl Williams it's go time this is not the time to save guys this is where you you pull out your big guns and you let them go so uh, Debo Samuel for my second wide receiver then my third wide receiver you got to go with the triple crown Cooper Cup $10,000 yeah $10,000 but he's going to be worth it you know he's going to put up points um that Rams Arizona um, game, as you can see by me picking Stafford, Acres, and Cup, I think is going to be a high-scoring affair. So um, might as well keep going with the guys that are in the high-scoring games, right? Um, then my tight end, um, we talked a lot about these guys not really, well, having a bit of a chance, but not really. Um, I'm picking the Philadelphia tight end, Dallas Goddard. He's come hot down the stretch. He's becoming one of Hurd's favorite targets, especially in the red zone. Um, he could go off in the in in this game here, especially if you're hope, especially with everyone predicting Tampa Bay having a lead. Um, that's going to force Philly to pass the ball maybe a bit more than they have been lately, and Dallas Goddard should benefit from that. Um, now in my flex spot. He is the thorn in Zach's side, Brandon Bolden from New England. Uh, he's $5,000, so he's cheap. At this point, I was running out of money. Um, 5000 after I picked my defense was all I had left. And he was the guy who actually gets playing time in that $5,000 range. So pick Brandon Bolden. Um, he, he does actually play. And if they're running the ball a ton, well, you know, you need three running backs might actually be able to to get a few carries in this uh, cold weather game in uh, in uh, Buffalo. And then my defense, I picked the Pats um, again. Budget pick there, and it's cold weather, so that might play an advantage to the defense, um, being able to put up a little bit more points. And it's the Pats defense. I. I, when in doubt, I, I do always pick that Pat's defense. Well, Armin, I hope your team does bad. I'll be honest. <laughs> a few of the players, a few of them, I hope they do good. Um, foreshadowing it's my team a little bit, but I know you got to, <laughs> I know you got to rip out now for, uh, for practice. So thanks for sticking around and, and making time for us before your basketball practice. Um, we'll, we'll wrap this bad boy up for you. All right. Peace out. Don't beat my team too much. Taking some big <laughs> swings here could pay off really well or i could be way behind you guys we'll, we'll see the nice thing is you only got you only got to beat one guy that's all you got to do yeah that's true all right see you guys yeah everyone else everyone listening have a great week all right zach you're um we'll go you and then back and forth to me so your quarterback who'd you end up taking 
All right. So I might be a, a prisoner of the moment, but uh, I ended up going with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Uh, similar to what uh, Armin said about uh, Stafford and the price point there. Um, I didn't want to blow my budget on a quarterback. Um, I think most of these quarterbacks are um, able to score a similar amount of points. Um, so I went with a economical uh, choice and I picked Joe Burrow, uh, who I think will be in a position to score a lot of points this weekend. Yeah, I, uh, I went with Armin. Uh, very similar situation, kind of like what both uh, Armin and Zach have mentioned already. Um, didn't want to spend all my all my money on a top-end quarterback, but still somebody that can definitely put up points regardless, uh, especially like if it's that shootout that we might be anticipating. So uh, I took Matthew Stafford as well, same as, same as Armin with $7,600. Uh, running backs, go through both years there, Zach, your RB1, RB2. All right, so at, uh, at RB1, um, I'm spending $8,000 on Najee Harris. And the reason for this is it's quite simple. Um, I just don't think big Ben can throw the football anymore, uh, beyond five yards. And I think Najee Harris is somebody that could get a lot of receiving work as well as a lot of rushing work. Um, and he's also somebody that I could see stealing a couple red zone touchdowns, uh, in this game against Kansas city. Um, so RB one, Najee Harris, $8,000. Um, and your RB two. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, this was, uh, to borrow a turn of phrase from Armand. It was a bit of a budget pick. I took Sony Michelle at $6,700. Um, I would have liked to have taken different running backs, but I think Sony Michelle is somebody that might get leaned on. Uh, quite a bit this week um, against the Cardinals. Um, they do have Cam Akers coming back, but I don't know if they want to put that much of a load on, on Akers right away, uh, especially in the playoffs. I could see Akers getting a little bit of run, but I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, use Michelle a lot and then maybe in a week or two, Akers is ready to take over. Um, but I do think Michelle will be a really good value at his current price point. When I saw you posted yours, I saw Michelle's like, ooh, that's a sneaky pick. And I was like, ah, no, I can't change mine. The only reason that it changes is due to injuries, obviously, if there's some sort of injury situation before we start. But it's like, oh, that's a sneaky pick. Uh, my two running backs, my first one, I took Leonard Fournette. Uh, he's coming off IR. They put him on IR just to get sure he's healthy for this playoff run. Uh, we're at the playoffs. Then it's a win now or forever hold your peace kind of situation. Uh, so it is a riskier one just because of the health concerns. Uh, but watching what Leonard Fournette did this regular season, as well as what was turned playoff Lenny last year. Um, and this matchup, I think, is a, is a nice one. I, I took Leonard Fournette at $7,300. And then saving some money for to be able to spend later on with my receivers, I did go budget, y, uh, budget RB2 as well. And after I was looking at some of them, I thought for the price point of this player with the potential for him to have a good game, uh, we've seen break-off speed, break-off touchdowns, uh, unlimited touches from this player throughout the regular season. And that's Tony Pollard running back from the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, for $5,700, um, he can easily break into the house. I'm not 
holding my breath for a big production from him. I'm just looking for an RB2 that's not going to sink my ship. And for somebody at that price point, I think um, it's definitely somebody that can that can help me out a little bit. So I, I did look to spend some big money at other places. So I really needed to dig deep in the barrel and I wasn't willing to deep Brandon Bolden deep. So for an extra 700, I went to <laughs> Tony Pollard. Um, oh yeah, I, I, that one might bite me in the butt too, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, your three wide receivers, name them off. All righty. So, um, I don't have them in this order on the paper, but my wide receiver number one is Jamar Chase. Um, I'm not a big DFS guy. Um, it's probably because I would get way too into it and probably spend way too much money. <laughs> um, but uh, Jamar Chase, I'm going to stack him with Joe Burrow, my quarterback and receiver. Uh, and I'm really banking on the idea that it is going to be a higher scoring game. And every time uh, Jamar Chase scores a touchdown or does something well, it is also going to benefit my share of Joe Burrow. Uh, Jamar Chase is a rather expensive receiver at 8,200, but I knew I wanted to pair Burrow with one of the receivers. And I just, I like Chase better than Higgins. Um, Higgins is a big play waiting to happen. And so is Chase, but I do think Chase offers a little bit more um, all over the field production than than T Higgins. So Jamar Chase was the first receiver. Um, and then I did a lot of back and forth. The, uh, the piece of paper I did this on had multiple scribbles on it. And I ended up going with Mike Evans at 8,200. Uh, take Tom Brady's number one receiver. That was a no brainer for me. And then I took a bit of a discount on OBJ who has done nothing but score touchdowns for the Rams since joining them in November at 6,200. Yeah. I, I like the stack. That's how you win DFS, especially if you're in the Millie maker. Um, you gotta, you gotta put a stack with your quarterback. Uh, unfortunate for you. We're looking at the quarterbacks, uh, Joe Burrow there. Uh, all three wide receivers are on our boards, one on Armin's, one on Zach's, and then I'll mention <laughs> mine. He's in my flex, but uh, I'll get to him later. But yeah, that kind of kind of sucks for you. But same same idea. We have Matt Stafford and you took OBJ so uh, and Sony Michelle. So it's it kind of they play into each other. But my three wide receivers, I went with uh, Armin as well. I took the stack of Matt Stafford with Cooper Cup. Uh, he was extremely pricey. But uh, this is a, an important game, and Matt Stafford is going to obviously have to rely on his weapons. And Cooper Cup is uh, his, uh, the yardage king. Uh, add a sprinkle a couple of touchdown possibilities in there too. So for the price point, uh, he's one of the most reliable players this whole season. So why not pick him in the playoffs as well? So I took Cooper Cup. Uh, I also took Deontay Johnson um, at 7,200. Uh, if Pittsburgh stands a chance, they're going to have to air the ball. And I think they're going to be behind often. So they're going to have to throw the ball quite frequently. Um, and obviously Deontay Johnson has been that under route and he has been the favorite target next to Ray Ray McLeod. It seems like, uh, so Deontay Johnson at 7,200, I'm hoping to get pepper with targets and potentially find the end zone. And then also for my wide receiver three, we've talked about this lots where the new England Patriots take away your, uh, option number one. So going away from Stefan Diggs, I'm looking at a receiver that can get a lot of receptions and possibly find the end zone. Uh, so I went with Cole Beasley and, and this was a really, really cheap option for somebody that can have a big production at $5,500. So really, really cheap. But uh, this is also one of those boomer bust picks that he um, might be able to find the end zone, a lot of reception because new England does take away your, uh, your option. Number one. So those are my three wide receivers, uh, tight ends, Zach. 
<clears throat> so after spending rather uh, big on my receivers, um, I was shopping at Dollarama for the rest of the team. <laughs> and uh, I was looking for somebody that I thought could score a touchdown on the cheap. And that led me to Pat Fryermuth, the tight end for the Steelers. Um, similar to what you said about uh, Johnson, Fryermuth is somebody that can work the underneath routes uh, against Kansas City. And he is a bigger red zone target. So um, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm just asking for a touchdown. Yeah. That's, and then it's in these tight end positions, that's kind of all you need. I think a lot of people in DFS, they, they try and find the bargain tight end. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't do that. I went opposite this time, but lots of times in my previous DFS, I'd always try and find the, the bargain tight end with, with a juicy matchup. And I was looking at the matchups and there wasn't really any juicy matchups that were jumping out at me that have the bargain, uh, bargain tight end. So I ended up going with Rob Gronkowski, uh, $7,400. So I did pay up. I think he was the third most expensive tight end, maybe the second. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's $7,400. He has the number two matchup against the Philadelphia defense. Philadelphia giving up the second most points to tight ends this fantasy season. Uh, so I'm looking for a big production. Obviously, $7,400 at a tight end is quite expensive, but he also could be easily the number one tight end on the week, and he has the number one matchup uh, out of all the possible tight ends. With Tom Brady having limited offensive weapons, you saw what he did for Gronkowski. He said he wasn't going to leave that Week 18 game until he got Gronk all of his, all of his money, uh, which is why a lot of us wanted to start Antonio Brown in championship week. Um, but he got Gronk the, his payday, and I think uh, Gronk is going to return that payday to Tom Brady with another playoff W. So that's why I spend up for, for, uh, for Gronk in my tight end position. Uh, Flex. So after spending 5,400 on Friar Muth, I was garage sale shopping. I was near the bottom of the bin <laughs> and uh, yeah, like you said, I wasn't quite uh, Brandon Bolden cheap, but uh, I took Ramondre Stevenson the the actual running back that you want in new england for the price um stevenson is only 200 dollars more than bolden and i think if recent usage uh tells us anything it's that stevenson is going to see the ball considerably more than brandon bolden um stevenson has been spelling harris uh damien harris that is quite a bit this season and Stevenson can also work into the pass game quite a bit as well. Um, if it is a run-heavy game, like we all expect, um, you know, pay up a little bit and take Stevenson over the bargain brace, bargain basement price uh, for Brandon Bolden if you well, are trying to get a Pats running back. Well, and looking at even like you said, out of the three, you look at Harris, and I think he was at like seventy-eight hundred dollars or or eighty-two or something. His his price point, I think he was the third most expensive running back. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to try and figure out um, one of them, I think Stevenson's definitely the best bang for your buck because 8,300 yeah. for, for Harris, I mean, that could pay out. He could, he could absolutely steamroll on the, on the ground again, like he did in week 17. But, um, but for 5,200 for Stevenson is definitely a, a sneaky play. I think for sure. I, I initially had Harris as one of my uh, first choices um, out of anybody. I knew I wanted a new England running back. Um, but then after seeing the price and seeing how it really impacted the rest of the roster, I, uh, I took the $3,000 discount and went with Stevenson. Yeah. Smart play. Um, I hinted at this one already, but my flex, I went with Tyler Boyd for $6,000. I think 
I mean, he's got just as good a chance of getting the ball as any of the Bengals receivers. And at this point, trying to fill that flex spot for, for uh, $6,000, there are some decent options. Uh, but looking at the boom bus options that I want to put my flex, I think Tyler Boyd has that boom opportunity. He's, uh, his targets have gone up as Joe Burrow has started to air out the ball a lot more significantly, especially in the last three to four weeks here. Uh, so I am just hoping that the targets are going to fall his way as maybe they might be able to put a little more attention to detail to Jamar Chase and then maybe Tyler Boyd can get himself in the mix. So for boom bust with $6,000, I'm going to go Tyler Boyd in my flex position. Then uh, your DFS, or sorry, your DFS, your DST there, Zach. <laughs> um, I went with the Cincinnati uh, defense at $4,300. Um, the defense is a real crapshoot in my mind. Um, maybe Armand and you, and you had it right as well, take a cheaper uh, team. But I was able to afford the Cincinnati defense, who's a little bit more money than your guys' defenses. Um, and I also like the fact that they are going against, in my mind, uh, the second worst uh, offense in the playoffs going against the Raiders. So I think it's a good matchup uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, hopefully they're able to generate a turnover or two and make uh, paying up pay off. Yeah, I had no money left. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, when I looked at who was left for the dollar amount I could get, um, 49ers was a consideration at 3700 but then I had to drop 400 from someplace else, and I wasn't really willing to do that. So at $3,300 at the third cheapest def uh, defense, I took the Raiders. Um, I already mentioned how I kind of flip-flopped about maybe thinking the Raiders could sneak this one out. Um, both teams historically throughout the year – burn a lot of clock and, and focus on the run game a lot. Like if you look at Cincinnati from like week one to week 13, they had some of the least amount of snap counts out of any team in the NFL. Then all of a sudden they just turned the switch and wanted to air the ball out like crazy. Now I'm hoping that maybe it's just a low scoring game and the Raiders don't burn me too bad. But when you pick defenses, I'm sure everybody listening, you know, it can be a crapshoot at any moment. Any defense could just maybe score a touchdown or, or, uh, or a punt return or something can happen. Uh, so I'm thinking hopefully maybe the Raiders can either not burn me too bad or I could get lucky at the third cheapest. Looking at who was left cheaper than them, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not going against Tom Brady, I'll tell you that much for free. And then uh, I'm also not going against the juggernaut Kansas City uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, the barrel of the bin was pretty low at this point. So if Zach says, uh, if Zach says that uh, Stevenson is garage sale shopping, I'm... Uh, I'm at the Villaggio Value Village here with, with the Raiders. I'm really, I'm really picking thin and, and hoping to find a gem in, in the in the shelves at Value Village. So that's uh that'll wrap up my team. I'll I'll list them out fast and furious here for everybody, just so you have a quick recap of where we're at. We got Armin with Stafford, Akers, Daryl Williams, Daryl Williams, T. Higgins, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Brandon Bolden and then the New England Patriots defense Zach's team Joe Burrow Najee Harris Sony Michelle Mike Evans Jamar Chase Odell Beckham Jr. Pat Fryermuth, um, Ramon J. Stevenson and then the Cincinnati Bengals defense and then my team is Matthew Stafford Leonard Fournette Tony Pollard Cooper Cup Deontay Johnson Cole Beasley Rob Gronkowski Tyler Boyd and the Raiders defense so we'll see how this one's going to go loser is going to have to have some sort of punishment uh, this is our first go at DFS because we are so focused on the fantasy season. We don't have a whole heck of a lot of time for DFS, but if you're like us and you're starting to get the itch already, 
find yourself on FanDuel or DraftKings or any other supported um, uh, site and uh, maybe dabble a little bit of the DFS and then stay in the loop of uh, fantasy sports. So um, I don't know if Zach, you have anything to add here, but if not, I'm sure that'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, We're good to go. Right on. That is going to do it for episode number 36. Uh, We're in wildcard weekend. So have some fun watching playoff football. Uh, If you're like us, get on the DFS, have a little bit of fun. And then it adds a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra suspense to those playoff games. If you haven't done so, get on the charity bracket challenge and submit your bracket for a chance to win three signed jerseys. And uh, if, if everything else, I guess, enjoy the playoff weekend, enjoy some football, and uh, we'll talk soon, everybody. Take care. Mm-hmm.